Hey, Jack, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Can you tell, like, my audio, it's not the best. Can you hear it? It sounds good to me. Uh, I, I do notice that, so today we're on an Instagram call. Is, is there a reason why you weren't able to, to call from your phone regularly? Yeah, um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, think, I think I mentioned this last time. Uh, I'm in Mexico, Mexico City right now. So, of course, no international calls. And how's that experience so far? So I know, I believe you flew there Saturday night. Uh, and got there early Sunday morning. So you've been there for what? Well, almost. I mean, that, hours? that is that is that is a nice way to. That is a, that it, you're making it sound much nicer than it was. Um, so the plane, my flight, was a Viva Viva Aerobus flight um, from Chicago to Mexico City, and it left. You know, you know, you know when it left. You know when it left. It left. Well, the departure time, right, officially, it was scheduled for 11.55 p.m., but in actuality, we left at 12.30 a.m., which was ridiculous. <laughs> and do, it, you know, do you know why it was so delayed? I mean, I, that's a legitimate thing that I have no, I had no idea. I, I'm not sure if it, it might have just been, like, a mistake because what happened was that, like, next to my flight, was another Viva Robles flight from Chicago to Guadalajara. And they had the same delay. Like, they, they were scheduled to depart at the same time as me. But they had the same delay. And they started, you know, they, um... And, and what, you know, once the delay was open, they left, like, they started boarding and left at almost the same time. So I have a feeling that, like, it was just a mistake, you know? <laughs> that, like, the actual departure I time... I thought that those planes were at the airport well beforehand, so they could have just taxied to the gate earlier or just boarded earlier. I mean, I have no idea. But, you know, we were one of the last flights of the, the night. Um, interestingly, you know, uh, some of the uh, only last flights, some of the only last flights from Chicago are to Mexico. Um, so I guess that's a, sort of a pattern that there is. And I know we, in past episodes we had or in an episode we had pondered why why the flight timing was so bad because in the past you did mention you were considering taking this Viva Aerobus flight but it seems that maybe maybe it's just a, a slot issue that they, they have to land in Mexico City early in the morning and leave the U.S. or cities like Chicago late at night. I mean, um, it would also be a reason like why it's much cheaper. You know, the, the, the flight itself without any baggage or whatever, it only costs 175 round trip. Which is pretty good, especially from Chicago to Mexico, right? Like, like I saw, I was looking at the plane <laughs> tickets, and then, you know, from even cities such as, you know, Washington or, or New York, it costs well into you know, the three, four hundreds. Um, so one seventy five was a pretty good bargain, even if it, you know, the times were bad, <laughs> inconvenient. Bad. Yeah, and 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 does Aeromexico fly that route? And because I would imagine that Viva Aerobus would be a lot cheaper than. Than Air Mexico, or well, even I mean, uh, of course, and, or uh, United or American. Well, of course, Aerobus is much cheaper than all of those. Right? Air Mexico is the you know the big Mexican flag carrier. Um, but I I saw the ticket price on the same day for for Air Mexico, uh, and it was like what four hundred twenty eight compared to Aerobus is one seventy five. 
And so I was like, yeah, I don't think this is a hard choice at all. <laughs> and how much did you end up paying for like the the, in, the ancillary fees, like the, the bags or the, did you buy anything on board or stuff like that? Yeah, so I actually brought like my, my instrument. You know, I, I play a, a Chinese instrument, Yarhu. I brought that on board. Um, and so that cost uh, 60 bucks um, for the round trip ticket for baggage fees. Uh, 30 bucks one way, which is, is you know, pretty good. It's the so same total, price as a Velo. Yeah. So I guess in total, you know, um, I spent not 175 but two, well, 245 plus tax, which is still pretty good, I would say, um, especially when considering, you know, compared to other, other airlines or other cities. Uh, but I did not, you know, I, I did not buy anything on board, um, which... You know, because Viva Aerobus is a low-cost carrier, so they charge for absolutely everything, including water. So there wasn't even, you know, the, the complimentary service. Uh, and also, I, I didn't really need to because it was, you know, a flight from 12 a.m. to, like, 3 uh, to 4 a.m., so. Uh, and so what was the, the onboard catering like? Like, did they have options? Because I, I know that... Low cost carriers like Ryanair, for example, have a lot of of food and and drinks and other things you can buy on board. Which I'm, is pretty similar at at Viva Robust. I mean, have you flown a low cost carrier before? Sorry, your your audio cut out there a bit. Uh, I didn't hear your <laughs> response. Oh, sorry. Uh, have you flown a low cost carrier before? Uh, besides the Velo. Which I don't know if you count. I flown on Norwegian, uh-huh. which was, which was I guess a pretty standard low cost carrier. Oh well, I mean, I mean, I guess I guess Norwegian counts. Did, did you get like? I mean, did you still have like complimentary meals and stuff on Norwegian? No, for everything there you had to pay. Uh, I think they offered water if I remember correctly, but for everything else you had to pay. Um, so I didn't get any of it. That's pretty rotten. It's pretty rotten. I mean, on, but I mean, on you you pay, you you pay, you pay for it. So, I mean, I guess so. like you're not but you're I, not paying much out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I mean, I I, I I guess so. Um, because you know, it's it's sort of like like on Viva Europus, it was sort of you know the same same situation in that you know, um, you know they they the price is lower for that reason. Um, but what, what was, and I guess it, it also makes sense because, you know, they didn't give out water, which I guess is another difference from, for example, Norwegian, which is, you know, long haul. And so you, know, you kind of have to give out water, eh? I guess. And actually, well, the routes I flew on was domestic within Norway. So I think it was the longest flight I was on oh. was three hours. So they were fairly short. Oh. Um, yeah, I've never flown to a region long haul before. Well, I mean, I presume it would certainly But domestically, be... it was... Mm-hmm. I presume it would certainly be, you know, a lot different, eh? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're on completely opposite sides of the world and different business models, though. I mean, I've, there's not, like, a lot of, I guess, consistency between every single low-cost carrier um, and through a lot of evaluative metrics. But it's interesting just to look at Viva Aruba specifically because they have a lot of, I guess, unique qualities and unique uh, traits about them that 
are interesting to look at in the context of of all of the entirety of Mexican aviation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I've only had experience flying on Europus. Um but of course, uh, I can I can say I can attest to you know, for example, the flight itself, right? The flight itself was um, decent, I suppose. Um, the seats don't recline, which I guess is standard for a low-cost carrier. Um, you know, like I said, no service. Uh, of course, no on uh, you know on flight, in-flight entertainment either, um, and of course, not so great timing, which I, I guess are all characteristic of of um, low-cost carriers in general. Uh, but Mexico also has other airlines too, eh? Um, so let's talk about those. They do. Uh, so yeah, obviously, I think as you would look at the the booking process on a flight from Chicago to Mexico City, you have a lot of options, um, and a lot of competitors with Viva Robust. Um I don't actually know which of the airlines operate that specific route, but um, I would say. We have this four-ish, uh, uh, depending on if you consider Interjet still operating major airlines. You have, uh, like we've mentioned, Viva Aerobus. We have uh, Aeromexico, which is also in bankruptcy. Uh, Beautiful. Is, uh, Vol- <laughs> we have Volaris. Um, so those are like the, the bigger three. And then there's also uh, uh, Magna Charters, which still has... Uh, some presence, but they're very largely seasonal and, and not as big. So really, the, you have the big three uh, of of Aeromexico, uh, Viva Aerobus, and and Volaris. But it is really interesting that two of those three are low cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also characteristic on this one route. So from so actually the the route Chicago to Mexico City, it's it's operated actually by all three, um, which you know is 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 pretty interesting, I'd say. Um, Especially since mm-hmm. that, you know, especially since that, you know, um, for low cost carriers, right? Chicago. Well, I mean, I see, see, here's the thing, right? The situation in Mexican aviation is that so a very good chunk of the demand comes from tourism, right? Um, and where does that tourism money come from? Well, the two countries to the north, the United States and Canada, right? So there are a ton of, you know, a ton, a ton of, of routes that operate, um, a ton and ton of flights that operate between, you know, cities in uh, the, 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 up the north and the Midwest of the U.S. and also Canada, um, especially during winter, um, the flights pour, absolutely pour into Cancun and Cabo and all the rest. Um, so I guess, so, you know, the, I, I, would, I would say, you know, Chicago to Mexico City, um, although, you know, Mexico City is certainly not tourist tourists, you know, beach tourist resort um it is touristy as well uh, and i i think you know the fact that all three of them operate this route just shows is a test to how much demand there is eh? mm-hmm. and and even uh two years ago we had interjet too so that was uh, four airlines operating um some routes i don't know actually if interjet flew to o'hare uh, but i would imagine there there were routes in the u.s where all four airlines were operating but it is also interesting that uh, just like there's two of the three are low cost, which I guess are in- inducive to to creating demand and also supplying demand. But both Viva Robust and Velades are are relatively new, uh, both being founded like within 
uh, both being founded and becoming big in the last 15, 20 years mm-hmm. um, as compared to Aeromexico, which has been established for a while longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... Um... Because again, right, the, the tourism factor is one, but there's also, you know, the two, the two main areas of demand for aviation um, to, at least internationally to and from Mexico, right? Number one is tourists flee, uh, fleeing the harsh, brutal winters to the beaches of Mexico. And number two is the, you know, the large population of Mexicans in the United States, right? Um, you know, certainly the very certainly by the border, but also in the very big cities, there's a lot, a lot of the Mexican diaspora there. Uh, so you know, the airlines are certainly seeking to capture that, um, capture that route market uh, in in you know these these international routes. Mm-hmm, exactly, and I guess just so for reference, the industry is actually in a interesting state right now. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Aeromexico is is in bankruptcy, um, and I I would say things are really changing because at least I don't know t- uh, ten fifteen years ago we had uh, a much different market. Primarily, we had uh, Aeromexico obviously being dominant, but there was also a a fierce competitor in in Mexicana de Aviación, which. Uh, was also huge and uh, at one point in Starlines and later in, in One World. Uh, and now we go from that to a situation where uh, the big airline Air Mexico is in bankruptcy. You have Interjet, which is essentially gone. They've they suspended operations in December. And then you're just left with, with Viva Orobas and Vladis, which I are, have managed to do really well. And actually, Vladis is now the, the largest... Uh, aer- a domestic airline in terms of market share in the country with around 30%, which is, 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 is astounding given that for so long Aeromexico dominated. So it's actually really interesting to see the the changes in the industry. Uh, and I would, I'm actually curious why, like specifically what, what traits of Aeromexico, uh, I guess, make it more susceptible to, to failure. I mean, obviously it could be its large size or its, um, aircraft problems uh, that energy had well i mean it's certainly mm-hmm. well it's certainly not you know anything to do with the, the aircraft itself the, the airplanes that aeromexico has right um but i did see this one thing in i did see this one uh, article headline recently that was that went something along the lines of sorry business sorry um sorry com- big companies business travel isn't coming back right like it isn't going to be the same ever again which i think is is pretty revealing um because um you know, if you actually think about it, right, the way how we usually conceive business travel um, in aviation, it is, you know, pretty interesting to say the least. Um, but especially, you know, of course, right, the, again, because of COVID, uh, so much is going to, to is, is turning virtual. Um, and there's also not a big demand to, 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 to go back to in-person things, right? Um, and so that's where I think you can really see the, the contrast because between Aeromexico and and Volaris and Viva Aerobus. Um, Aeromexico, of course, is the big you know national flag carrier based out of Mexico City, connecting all the other international countries, connecting all other countries with Mexico and offering you know some um, connections 
you know, domestically as well. Whereas the other two are certainly, you know, much more keen on simply, you know, getting demand in key markets, right? Offering lower prices to customers. Um, and that's what's really made them more successful, I think, than Aeromexico. Because Aeromexico has killed off, I'm sorry, because, not Aeromexico, because COVID has killed off um, most of the, the essential business travel. And especially because, you know, the COVID situation in Mexico is not great, right? It's, 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 yeah, it's no, been no, off-road. No. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, like, Volaris has managed to keep load factors really high. They've They're at 87 percent at least uh, earlier this year with even with covid on the flights that they're operating so that they've done really well but like air mexico especially their their people their executives have have highlighted the covid pandemic has really exacerbated a lot of the existing financial struggles they faced um and actually i i did say aircraft problems um thinking that they have had some in in the form of the 737 max which they've had to uh, ground for a while obviously with it being routed for like a year or whatever it was grounded for um that did affect some of their their routing and and scheduling because at least um before it was grounded it was a pretty effective plane in in filling a lot of demand and, and operating fuel efficiently um and there were certainly concerns i would get assume from from the from the airline that it could turn out to be similar to the interjet situation with the the, the Superjet, which for reference, Interjet in uh, 2012 made a, a huge order for um, some Stukoi Superjet 100s from, from Russia, which had previously not even been uh, tested or used at all in the, in, in the, on the North American continent. So uh, a lot of people thought optimistically that Interjet got a good deal. But in retrospect, uh, all of the planes they got were, were really unreliable, and they ended up grounding uh, or not being able to use most of them, which ended up uh, really harming them financially. So I think there was concerns uh, on the Air Mexico side of things that if the 737 Max wasn't uh, allowed to fly again anytime soon, that could be detrimental. But uh, it is. I mean, I mean, back. Air Mexico. You know, even as recently as July 2021, right? They ordered an, an additional 12 Boeing 737 Max Maxes. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, I guess you know, they 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 did see. They did regain some confidence in the aircraft. It seems that way, and it seems like uh, f- they're confident they can reemerge from bankruptcy uh, soon. They did declare bankruptcy, I, I believe it was last year, uh, like uh, in like in the in the summer after COVID. So they've had some some time to to get through it, and obviously they're still flying through the pandemic. Uh, and and trying to grow, they have a lot of new orders coming in. I think uh, not not to mention the seven three seven max, but other planes as well in the coming years. So they're certainly growing and not really concerned from a financial standpoint. Uh, and and they certainly have the ability to to be profitable once demand returns. But like you mentioned, they're if I mean they they need I guess some some co- to be competitive with with Volaris and. Uh, Viva Robust, especially because business demand isn't going to be the same. And if most of those customers are going to go to airlines like Volatis and Viva Airbus, which have demonstratedly lower prices time and time again, I mean, it's going to be really difficult for Aeromexico s- to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, especially when the big profits are all, you know, trying to save as much money as possible, um, at least. At least, you know, and, and also because since Mexico, because again, because of COVID, right? 
um, travel restrictions between Mexico and much of the world are still very much limited. Um, so it's, it's, you know, like, for example, Aeromexico is, you know, although it was small, but, you know, their entire uh, network to, 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 to Asia is cut off. Um, much of it to Europe was cut off as well because, you know, many European countries are requiring quarantine for Mexican, citi Mexican citizens. Um, the big market of the United States is there, of course, but, um, you know, the main source of revenue of business travelers has, has, has almost vanished. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's certainly a tough road uh, for, uh, it's certainly a tough road for the airline, especially when it faces, you know, the two other competitors, Volaris and Aero Viva Aerobus, um, who are, you know, as expansion, who has as expand, expandiary, expand, you know, as keen on expansion as they are right now. Um, but I do want to actually talk a little bit about those two airlines as well. Um, so actually, Jack, can you t can you start off about you know a bit about uh, Volaris Volaris airline? Mm hmm. So they are a obviously a ultra low cost carrier um, who typically will have lower prices than than even Viva Aerobus and definitely Air Mexico. And they started uh, in in initially in two thousand three. I believe they started flying in two thousand six. Uh, but they. Are, are I guess pretty generic in in what they in their their routes they kind of have a hub and spoke model um, and and like Interjet they were pretty reluctant to to start coming into the Mexico City market uh, and initially flew out of Toluca and and some other big cities in Mexico but they've grown uh, very rapidly over the years uh, and in 2008 they signed a co-chairing deal with uh, with Southwest Airlines which allowed them to operate a lot of flights into the u.s and also then transfer to to southwest and i have memories of flying southwest home to san diego a lot mm -hmm. uh and looking in the the, the airport uh, diagrams and talking about how you can transfer to Volaris in san diego so um they're, they're they're certainly well advertised um but yeah they they're they've been growing and they've been focusing uh on keeping prices low but also offering i guess quality service i mean not obviously Aeromexico level, but uh, I guess satisfactory. And also, interestingly, mm -hmm. they've pushed a lot of... Uh, they've tried to grow a lot outside of Mexico. They've, uh, um, I guess, operated more international flights. They've launched to San Francisco and some other cities in the U.S. in recent years. But they're also now trying to launch, uh, actually, a subsidiary in El Salvador uh, to, I guess, fill in some of the market there. Um, I mean, there is Avianca, obviously, but... Uh, Certainly, there's more demand that they can fill on the on the low cost side of things um, that really isn't as readily available in Central America. So I I would consider them at least uh, the the more dominant low cost carrier in the region as compared to to Viva Aerobus. Well, yeah, I mean one of the actually um, so speak let so actually you know let's actually bring up the top the the, the topic of the, the different hubs of these airlines, right? Um, so Mexico, so I'm sorry, Aero Mexico really only does have um, a big presence at Mexico City, right? It's it's you know, it offers um, flights to most big cities in Mexico as well as all as well as you know major cities across the world. The problem, however, is that you know Mexico certainly has it's certainly has you know other very large cities as well. Um, so for example, Guadalajara, right? Um, you know, Guadalajara, I'm looking at the list right now, Viva Aerobus and Volaris 
are both very much dominant at Guadalajara. They have, you know, well over, um, well, tons, lots and lots of, of flights to and from Guadalajara. Aero Mexico has a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven flights to Guadalajara, and one of them is to Mexico City, right? Um, so, you know, that also, I, that, that's also an interesting point because um, while, while, whilst Aero Mexico does, has like, nearly no presence at Guadalajara, Viva Robos and Volaris also have a lot, a lot of connections uh, at Mexico City as well. Um, but speaking of Volaris itself, so they have a very large presence at both Mexico City and Guadalajara. The main hub and, you know, well, I don't, I don't think it's a main hub anymore, but like another major city where Volaris is very much dominant is Tijuana, right across the border from San Diego, which I'm sure you know very well, eh? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's another, like, if you look at, you know, the list of destinations, right, um, that's another area in which uh, Volaris really much does, re- really, really excels, and something which, you know, Viva Robus, who is much newer on the scene, uh, is certainly seeking to, to replicate as well as take away from um, in, you know, having these sorts of very, very much, lo- very, very large point-to-point point-to-point-esque, shall we say, right? Um, destinations uh, in having multiple multiple different hubs, um, multiple different uh, flights to and from, you know, all of their mm-hmm. different, um, all of their different major cities. And, and yeah, and at Guadalajara specifically, I noticed at least the, the seven destinations Aeromexico flew to were all international. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I guess is is the one niche that they can have there that Volaris doesn't. But like that 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 is reflected in in the numbers. Like we've mentioned that Volaris is the the largest domestic airline in Mexico, uh, as compared to the other big two airlines. And that's not really surprising because they're cheaper and they have more services. Uh, and and it seems more in I guess that Air Mexico is more focused on the the premium market. And maybe even the the premium travel to the U.S., uh, especially because they are in Sky Team and, and focus heavily on their relationship with Delta, mm-hmm. uh, which Volaris. I don't really. I don't. They ended their code share with Southwest, to my knowledge. They that's definitely not promoted anymore. Uh, so they're really more on their own, and I think certainly focused on their subsidiary expansion. They it looks like they also have a subsidiary in Costa Rica as well. Which is interesting. So they seem much more intent on on staying, I guess, closer to Mexico and rather mm-hmm. than expanding into into the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, well, they, they obviously do have a lot of destinations in the United States as well, um, but you know, it's it's for, for, you know for sure they're they're not trying to you know pull a sort of. Um, you know, open up a, a, a American subsidi- subsidiary. They're still very much Mexican, um, and you know, it's it's for Volaris itself, right? It's it's um, actually I think it it, it speaks more volumes about Aero Mexico and their failure just to, to to have you know these sorts of very large you know lots of connections to and from um, a bunch of places. So, for example, here I'll give you I'll give you you know two examples, right? One is of course Cancun, right? Uh, world famous tourist destination, tons and tons and tons of flights from absolutely everywhere from all sorts of airlines just to capture that 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 oh so elusive 
um, touristy demand, right? Um, so both, of course, both Viva Aeropos and Volaris have large presences um, from flights all over the United States and Mexico. Aeromexico has two flights from Cancun. One is from Mexico City and one is to and from Sao Paulo, which is set to begin actually this December. Uh, so, you know, that, that's huh, not interesting. It's, it's an interesting choice of Sao Paulo, but, you know, it's, it's also an yeah. interesting case of how little of a presence they have in what is, you know, quite literally Mexico's biggest, you know, tourist destination. Um, so there's that. And then I guess one other example would be, you know, a, a much less, shall we say, significant city, relatively. Um, the city of Querétaro, which is in, you know, it's also in central Mexico. Um, it's a mid-sized city, right? Um, Viva Robos has two flights, Cancun and Monterrey. Volaris has four flights, Cancun, Chicago O'Hare, Puerto, Vallart Puerto Vallarta, and Tijuana, right? So both of them have presences, while as Aeromexico only has a New Mexico City connection, right? Um... So, you know, it's, it's pretty evident that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's more just, you know, hammering away at the point. Aeromexico really doesn't have a good, doesn't do a good job at, you know, capturing these key markets. Um, even, even when, you know, they could really be needed from an airline in bankruptcy. And it seems like the, those kinds of airlines, at least the, the huge, I guess, fortress airlines that have one major hub at one major airport have really been fading out over time um well i mean i wouldn't say that's entirely the case right so you know you can look at you know the, some other big airlines like um well of course you know emirates is is in a class of its own but for example you know air france and singapore airlines right both of them are you know there's not really there's certainly competition but you know they're not exactly you know going anywhere anytime soon um what i do think is much what, what I do think is like for example you know why we don't have we don't see this sort of situation in like the United States for example is that you know they're, they're you know even in even in the United States or when there's lot where there's quite a few competitors to the, the established carriers to you know United Delta American is that you know the big airlines will even will will, will compete and go for um, all sorts of demand they're not just marketing themselves for business travelers right um, you know, for example, you know, United, uh, very much also markets itself as a tourist airline, as one for travelers to, you know, flights to and from, uh, Colorado or, or, uh, Hawaii or Alaska or whatever. Right. Um, they're not stiff and rigid. Right. Um, you know, like, like some of the other airlines are like Air Mexico is, for example. Um, and that's something which, which, you know, I don't, you don't really see happening in, in Mexico. Um, Air Mexico just doesn't really want to compete with the other two, uh, which is certainly great for Volaris and Viva Robos. Um, but, you know, you can't, you know, Mexico City is certainly a very big market. Uh, but, you know, is it the end all be all? Even, even to go so far as to not even, you know, tap, sort of tap into, to, you know, um, such a tourist destination as Cancun. I think that's you know a, a really a really big question that the Aeromexico executives need to ask. 
Mm-hmm. And it's especially, uh, con- I would think, concerning to Aeromexico that with, with Interjet now uh, folding, and there, th- there's a lot of slots left in Mexico City up for grabs that uh, a lot of people have thought that might go to a revived and resurrected Mexicana. But if that doesn't happen, then there may be more opportunities for airlines like Volaris to, to take those slots and to continue to, to I guess, encroach on Aeromexico's territory. Because even if you just look at the destination list, like, Volaris is, is still gaining ground and, and, and has a quite sizable presence at Mexico City Airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if Aeromexico loses out on that, I mean, they're... I mean, as long as they can, I guess, maintain some sense of being premium, then they might be fine. But with with the rise of low-cost carriers, they have had to cut prices. And that was ultimately a major reason why Mexicana went broke was because they, they charged extraordinarily low prices on, on flights that eventually would just become unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And just look at like what, what flights they're competing against, right? Aeromexico, they're, they're, they operate the international flights. Um, you know, for example, Mexico City to London Heathrow. They're competing against, you know, British Airways, right? Or, for example, uh, Mexico City to um, uh, Sao Paulo, right? They're competing against LATAM. Um, and while Aeromexico Connect, right, uh, certainly does have, you know, a, a decent network to and from that Mexico City, um, they just completely fail almost entirely in the point-to-point models, um, that Vigorobus and Volaris offers, right? Um, so in the end, you know, it's it's Aeromexico doesn't really have that sort of domineering presence at any any in any one one capacity, right? Um, sure, you can fly to a bunch of places from Mexico City, but you can also fly those exact same routes from with 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 you know a lot of other airlines as well. Um, so you know, it's not really a, a unique factor per se. Um, it's more just, oh, here's another option, Aeromexico, right? Um, it's not, for example, you know, United strategy of, oh, expand somewhere. We're the only one, right? And then nobody else can come replace us. Um, or even, for example, um, or even, for example, you know, the strategy of, of, um, you know, uh, for example, Turkish airlines, which is, oh, fly everywhere, fly to all the countries, um, Right. Uh, Aeromexico just doesn't really have it, it's sort of in between it, it's not really one of either yeah I, I would say it has it's seemingly put emphasis into their, their international flights and their long haul product uh, I know they've, they've gained some notoriety for their, their good business class product um, and investing in a, in a reverse herringbone cabin that I know has got a lot of good reviews uh, and their their food as well across the board from economy to business class I know has gotten good reviews but I mean long haul flights if in COVID especially are not going to give you money uh, I mean they might with passengers but right now international travel being so uncertain uh, I don't know what, what how Air Mexico is going to fare in that regard but also one thing I wanted to bring up in terms of international travel is that actually earlier this year the, the, U, the FAA of the U.S. Uh, downgraded the safety rating, or maybe upgraded in a sense, uh, of Mexico to a Category Two, uh, mm. uh, uh, I guess, uh, system, which require, which makes it so that airlines in Mexico can't launch new service to the U.S. Um, they can only maintain existing service, and they also can't code share with uh, U.S. airlines 
on on flights they operate into the U.S. So uh, in terms of international travel to the U.S., there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, right now for all airlines as to as to what the future holds. But I, I don't know. Do, do you think that's going to have a big impact on, on international travel? I think it would be... I think um, that is a very good question because, you know, the Mex- uh, Mexico has certainly, you know, they, they, they have not been, you know, pleased at this announcement. Um, it basically puts them in all the other, it, it puts them in the same, in the same category as, uh, let me see, Bangladesh, Ghana, Pakistan, Venezuela, and Thailand. So not, you know, amazing, an amazing group of countries to be in, right? Um, especially for no yeah so i'm looking online right so here's this one quote mexico joins an exclusive but not a luxurious club of countries under category two right um so i mean i think it's it's a very good question right it's it's um it's certainly you know critical for mexican mexican authorities and the airlines to regain category one status you know as soon as possible right um but I mean, the, the, well, basically what I think will happen is that, you know, right now there's a lot of, of travel on the existing routes, right? Um, you know, the demand to Cancun and all the flights to and from there are not going away anytime soon, um, which is, you know, which is pretty obvious. Um, I do think that this will put, uh, 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 I, I do think that this is, you know, if this were to happen, you know, it would be now would sort of be the best time for it to happen just because COVID is still a thing. And so, you know, there won't, you know, being downgraded to, to category two won't have that big of an impact, right? Um, you know, if this were, if this were, if this announcement were made in you know, another, another year where COVID is not a thing, then it would probably be utterly devastating. Um, but now, you know, they have time to act on it. Um, they have time to regain category one status and during this time, right, since travel is already limited, even if they don't, you know, capture key markets, even if they don't op- operate new routes, um, I, I don't think it will be that big of a deal because uh, they can still do that later on, right? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wish I knew more about the, the process, but if, if they can uh, recover, I guess, from this rating and, and change it pretty quickly, then... Yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't be concerned about the, the effect on the industry. And I think the the more critical piece is that flights that already fly to Mexico or to the U.S. from Mexico can stay in place. Like that's not changing. And I'm not actually sure there was actually a lot of desire on behalf of Mexican Airlines to launch more service because we we've seen already that the the connections are already pretty strong uh, between the two countries uh, and with a lot of flights on a lot of different airlines to a lot of different cities especially the tourist cities like, like Cancun or San Jose de la Cabo already have a ton of demand and a ton of supply. So I don't think it actually makes a, a huge impact, but I think the, the code-sharing piece is probably a bit damaging uh, for, for at least name recognition because like when you have a code-share, you have the ability to shift between airlines when booking tickets, which uh, I guess increases the, the name recognition of some of these airlines to those who may have not um, considered them or heard about them. So that might be a bit damaging. But but otherwise, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it was, if COVID wasn't a thing, then and there was a lot of expansion plans, that would probably be um, discouraging and somewhat uh, devastating for for airlines like Volatis. But right now, yeah, it's not. I don't 
Well, I mean, it's that big of a deal. Another thing, which is you know critical to remember, is that you know this has also been this has also been very much this announcement has also been very much beneficial for the domestic Mexican aviation because both Volaris and Viva Aerobus, um, you know, announced following you know this 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 change this downgrade upgrade downgrade upgrade i have no <laughs> i guess you would call it a downgrade because that's what it does but it's going up it's category one to category two whatever downgrade um so they announced like just you know after this downgrade that they would you know focus more on uh growing their domestic market right um you know operating opening up new connections in mexico itself which i is you know is, is certainly uh, great for me- the country of Mexico, um, but it's also playing a part. Like for example, a, a part in other routes. For example, you know, um, I think as we mentioned earlier, um, Volaris is opening up a route to Colombia, right? Um, that's partially, you know, due to this this announcement because they can't open up the new route in the United States. It gives them time to also focus on other markets, uh, which you know, there certainly might be demand for as well and not just constantly be focused on, you know, the looming American American market just up north. Mm-hmm. And especially with a lot of the South American airlines like Avianca and, and Tom to some degree facing, or Latom, facing uh, financial struggles, there's uh, a lot more gaps to be filled and uh, in, in connect and flight connections that really haven't been established in prior years to be filled in at least by a low-cost area uh, carrier like Bilotti. So I think that's actually really good for them uh, for for shifting their priorities and, and focusing more on, on markets that may not have had, um, I guess, the low-cost uh, carrier fill them before. So I, th- I think that's actually uh, a, a really good business decision on their part to, to, to shift their priorities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but it also... I mean, what it also does contribute to as well is, you know, an even greater decline of Aeromexico uh, since, you know, because of this new, uh, because, again, some of the, the biggest markets, even to and from Mexico City, are from the United States, right? Um, and, you know, because of COVID, a lot of those routes were sort of hampered. Um, having, you know, not, not allowing Aeromexico to also uh, open up additional routes to and from American cities to Mexico City um would not be great for the airline um it wouldn't it certainly wouldn't have much of an impact on you know the other two as we've said not that much at least um but because because you know they they already have they are focusing very much on domestic and other you know central and south america um but for you know connections to from mexico city it's not so great that said, though, Air Mexico does already have an existing steady presence in the U.S., uh, serving a lot of cities that aren't served by Volaris or uh, Airbus. So, I mean, they, I think if they if they had the, if they had the, uh, their routes cut altogether, I would be very concerned for them. But oh yeah, uh, at least in they still have a, a, a the lion's share of the of the market from Mexico to U.S. Uh, operated by Mexican carriers as compared to Volaris or Viva Airbus. So, I mean, um, I, I think the, the decision to for expansion into the U.S. that certainly harms uh, Viva Airbus and uh, and Volaris a lot more than Aeromexico, uh, as I think we've seen in, in Volaris suddenly shifting more towards Colombia and, and El Salvador. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that could also be you know, considered. Um, but actually, though, I do want to you know, I do want to sort of touch on the final airline that we have not discussed, which is Viva Airbus itself, right? The one that oh, I flew I flew on that ever so fateful, <laughs> fateful twelve to four a.m. <laughs> um, so Viva Aerobus, I mean, uh, well, first of all, right? Um, obviously, they're the other low-cost carrier. Um, much like how we discussed before, um, just like how Volaris also has a, a major presence in Tijuana, where the other ones are not, where the other airlines are not exactly so dominant. Um, Viva Aerobus has sort of the same situation in Monterey. Um, and so as a result of that, right, um, you know, it, Viva Aerobus is also f- firmly uh, in the Mexican aviation market, much like Volaris with the um, large point-to-point, point-to-point model serving you know, cities all over. Um, but they actually only began services, uh, they only began to exist in 2006, which you know, is, is certainly not... Um, it wouldn't be expected for for an airline to be com- to pop out to pop you know completely new onto the scene, uh, and then all of a sudden, right, be much more, and then you know just fifteen years later, be even more dominant than the well-established Aero Mexico. They have grown incredibly quickly. You're right, and and I at least that seems to me way more of a of a product of just. Pre two thousand six, there was no low cost air, uh, airline whatsoever in Mexico, um, and you have Volaris and Viva starting up at the around the exact same time, uh, which uh, I think was beneficial to both of them because it uh, lowered prices cu- countrywide and it uh, it forced it forced Mexicana uh, out of business essentially because they couldn't compete. And that even mm-hmm. made it even easier for Viva Aerobus to just take more of the market share because Mexicana was the largest airline in Mexico, so it left a lot of, of holes that they could fill pretty easily. Um, so in in some ways, uh, the the time they started up at in two thousand six was was really uh, was really key. Also, uh, because like around that same time, we saw the the effects of nine eleven on the airline industry. Um, I guess it was more of a U.S. centered thing, but uh, it still affected airlines. And then you had uh, around 2008 the the Great Recession that occurred, which also really damaged the 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 big airlines that uh, people couldn't afford to fly as much. So there was a lot of factors uh, that really affected the the bigger airlines that had a much smaller profit margin um, that Viva Aerobus and most of Lotties could could really pr- uh, hedge themselves against. So. I'm not, I mm-hmm. guess, surprised at their growth, but it's it is really astonishing how fast they have grown. Well, it's also interesting on you know what their initial focuses were, right? Um, it's um, you know the the airline you know from the get go sort of sort of you know really did make an effort to brand itself as you know very low cost. Um, just in I believe in 2007, Viva um, Airways began the first international um, flight to to uh, Austin, Texas, right? Um, and then it says, you know, begin, initially served uh, Austin from, uh, initially served Austin, from Austin to Cancun, Monterey, Guadalajara, and Leon, right? 
so very much again the sort of point-to-point um, -point model um, instead of having you know the big established one hub right um, and it's also interesting because you know Viva Opus did not even begin service to uh, it did not even actually here it did not um, it, it, I'm sorry it did not it did not you know begin to enhance services right expand services at Mexico City uh, until 2010 right and, and that was when you know after Mexicana just you know shut down um, Vero was sort of stepped in and filled that that market uh, of demand to and from Mexico City so it was only four years after inception that the air, that this low cost supposed you know low cost carrier of Mexico began service to the big Mexico City um, which sort of you know, really sets it apart as well uh, much like Volaris um, but nowadays right, I remember I remember going to Mexico five years ago when I went to Cancun I just flew American to and from Chicago and Cancun and I remember you know at that time right looking at plane tickets to and from Cancun and, and Mexico City and just seeing Viva Aerobus pop up, pop up, pop up, pop up, pop up. Um, so, you know, they, they are certainly, um, I mean, they certainly have a presence that's, that's taken already, but, um, you know, even, you know, it's, it's been 15 years now, uh, and, you know, they, they, they are capturing a lot of the market, right? Even though, for example, that, that flight that I took from Chicago to Mexico, Mexico City, even though it was, in the dead of night, right? The plane was almost packed full. Like there were only a few seats that were left empty. So they're certainly doing a good mm -hmm. job of, of looking at and finding their market as well. Uh, yeah, and, and at least from, from where I could grasp just looking at uh, the FaceTime video, but it seemed like the flight to Guadalajara also had uh, quite a heavy share of, of people using it. Um, and that's also during COVID as well, where there are a lot of restrictions. So I mean, it's it's crazy how 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 much they've been able to they they've been able to fill planes, um, and maybe it's just that there's a travel bug and people pick the cheapest airline so <laughs> they mm -hmm. land on on Viva Aerobus. But I mean, yeah, I mean that's only it's, it's clearly working. Yeah, that's only what happened with me. <laughs> I mean, you know, also because um, you know, there's no there's not really any travel restrictions between the United States and Mexico, uh, so it's certainly much easier. Um, it, put, it puts, you know, travelers right into the market of Viva Robus and Volaris um, versus, for example, if you're coming from Europe, right, where there are lots of travel restrictions as well as, you know, uh, just being from Europe intrinsically, right, it, you're sort of forced to either take a European airline or, you know, Mexico or, you know, transfer in the United States or wherever else, right? Um, so for the US, United States market, uh, the big touristy demand is the big touristy and the um the 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 the, the demand from the diaspora um it sort of falls right into right into you know viva robus and volaris's hands just because you know both of them are you know both both groups of demand both groups of the market really are really you know want to save money type of people right mm -hmm. and and it's it's it surprising and it's actually kind of cool just how in a in a almost symbiotic way Viva Urbis and Bilalis are because they both managed to be incredibly successful in a in a huge country 
uh, with similar business models, but they also have managed to find out their own, their to create their own stake almost. That that with Viva Robos having a lot of flights out of Monterey and and Bilotti is having a lot of flights out of Guadalajara and and Tijuana, uh, and I guess that's overall just a good thing for the for the people looking to get in the skies because you have um, a low cost carrier somewhere around the country that can get you where you want to go. Uh, and you don't have to fly through Mexico City uh, to get there like you would have if you were trying to fly Air Mexico, uh, which would pretty much force you to do that. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess maybe we're just seeing a late development of, of the industry because, I mean, in the U.S. we've seen low-cost carriers flourish for a while, starting with Southwest, and maybe uh, it's just a late development from having two monopolistic airlines, and now we're seeing mm-hmm. the effects of some of those uh Close, like I mean, in the U.S., we saw Pan Am and TWA eventually fold because they fo- uh, had a lot of pressure from low-cost airlines and um, I guess obsolete business practices and um, business models. Uh, so, in a sense, I think it's just uh, some late development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can really compare it to, like, for example, you know, if you look at you know the European Union as one country, right? You have all those different. Um, all those different low-cost carry options, Ryanair, EasyJet, Wizair, all the rest. Um, so I guess it's really convenient in that regard. Um, but I mean, I'm, I don't know if there's really a comparable, I don't know if there's really a comparable situation um, in any other country in the world where you have sort of, you know, like made, like, you know, more like two or more major uh, low-cost carriers know sort of competing in the same space trying to think of one but i i mean i guess you could say india maybe i mean india maybe maybe i mean in europe it's hard because the the boundaries are so small yeah teeny tiny they're more multinational (laughs) yeah and there's no situation like this in you know the united states or china or russia i guess in south africa you have mango and kalula but they're both i don't think that focused on low cost yeah they're not um so i guess you know i guess sort of mexico and india per se right so, you know, it's, it's very rare in the world to see something like this, basically, right? Um, so, I, you know, it's, 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 it's really interesting what they've done. And, I mean, you know, I guess with the, in the future, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly, you know, as with almost any topic, right? It's certainly not, um, it's certainly not you know, uh, completely impossible that there will be, you know, another shift in the market. Uh, another shift in you know the airlines as well, um, be it in either more airlines opening up or in you know mergers as well. Eh? Mm-hmm. And actually, one thing that we probably should mention at some point uh, that we haven't yet is that at least for for five years there was a discussion of building a completely new Mexico City airport mm-hmm. uh, in a faraway suburb that would mm. drastically expand the, the capacity of the airport and I would imagine allow for far more slots given to all the airlines, which I think we would see some repercussions. But that was canceled, and for now we're still stuck with the, the situation where there's not a lot of capacity to grow at all at, at uh, the existing airport. Mm-hmm. And I guess that makes it harder for, for slots to be allocated to the point where if a, a, like a, a new Mexicana were to be resurrected, it would have to take slots from Interjet because uh, that's all that's available. So, I mean, 
mm-hmm. think I think it's important to mention that that if the new airport were to go through, we'd see a lot of different dynamics than than we are now. Yeah, if the new airport were to go through, it, you know, it would have been absolutely massive. Um, you know, I, I I think it was said somewhere that it was going to be the largest in the world, which. You know, lots of airlines were sort of competing for that title. Lots of airports, I'm sorry. Um, and that, I guess that would have really changed the, the situation because, you know, um, certainly, uh, you know, well, certainly, you know, it would have also depended on how it played out, right? It, it, it's not impossible that could have ended up in a, you know, Montreal Mirabel situation where a big new airport is built far away, but nobody wants to use it. Um but you know, I guess if that sort of happened, it would be interesting to see. Think about what would have happened, right? Would um would that be a bigger boost to Aeromexico and their international flights, or you know, more capacity for you know, connections to and from uh, low cost destinations for uh, Volaris and Viva Robles? Mm-hmm. I would I would have thought that uh, it'd probably benefit everyone. Because it would probably, and I, I don't know how the slots would be allocated, but I'd imagine it'd give them equally and then also try to expand the international carriers that serve the airport. Because uh, that's obviously a challenge now that you you still have to get slots to launch services. Um, and also the altitude, too, makes it harder to have, have international flights. So if you can expand the runways or do stuff like that, you can also uh, bring new airlines into the market. But it is really sad that it was canceled because it, it cost a lot of money to, to start construction and then they just completely wasted it um and you're actually looking at it, they plan to have uh, it looks like six different runways all over fourteen thousand feet which uh, or thirteen thousand feet which is uh, i guess similar to denver where you can have a lot of big planes land even in the altitude because you have such long runways mm-hmm. uh and yeah it, it's just a bummer it was canceled i think yeah well i mean you know i'm sure as some people would say, that is Mexico, right? Um, the government takes a lot of money into, into building something, but then falls back on it after the money has been spent. Eh? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it does say on the on the Wikipedia that they, there may be an, a new airport built somewhere else uh, at an Air Force base, um, presumably at a cheaper cost. Um, so, I mean, I think it's clearly necessary for for a new airport to be built because the you probably experience it. like the, the airport now is is fine but it's it's cramped in terms of its capacity to to um, I guess create new terminals or to have new airlines serve the airport so I I, I would think a new airport is needed and hopefully they they move on that soon. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Maybe. Um, they, I mean, they did they 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 announced before they were going to build this one, but. Maybe. Maybe next time we'll fly into Mexico City into the New Airport. Who knows? And, and but, I mean, yeah. Uh, but Vladis and Viva Aerobus may also try to get you to fly into the Toluca Airport, which at one point, as we, as we well, mentioned, was, uh, was, was, was an alternative. Well, Viva Aerobus didn't do that this time for me, so that's good. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, uh, that mostly concludes our episode on... on on Mexican aviation, uh, obviously, uh, I think it's it's pertinent to talk about now with with Jahal being in in Mexico City, having just flown Viva Urbus and uh, discussing that. Um, but if you have any other thoughts on on Mexican related aviation content, um, now would be the time to mention it. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I uh, hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode. Uh, and for the next two weeks, we will uh, Jahal will be in Mexico City, uh, so. 
uh, look forward to hearing content from that as well.